and welcome back to Once Upon a Timing, your podcast all about pirate rings, prison fights, and redemption. Because all it takes is one night to make everything better, especially when it has very little to do with you. <laughs> I'm Beth Elderkin, I'm joined as always by the lovely Abby. Abby, how are you doing? Uh, amazing. I always love a good redemption speed run that fails miserably and everyone is confused by. What do you mean? It would have been perfect. Uh, yeah. So we're talking about season six, episode 12, Murder Most Foul. An episode that Abby and I were commiserating on shortly before we started recording about the fact that neither of us remembered this episode existed. And for the most part, didn't remember what happened during it. I did remember the end twist and I was ready to be annoyed and I was. But Abby, you were you were not prepared. No, I and I am telling you this with the is not a bit. This is genuinely I was sitting there and I was I was sitting and I'm pointing at it to Beth, but I'm sitting on my 1998 Pier One Pompazon, the world the only worldly possession i own at the moment like it is just my chair i love this thing all curled up in it and i'm watching my episode i'm watching on my phone and i'm like okay this is great oh oh yeah you know what it's nice they, they did the thing and oh yeah oh yeah hook proposing that was the whole thing and oh it's real fun and everything and then they get to that final flashback and i'm not kidding you i watched it with my jaw open i was like how did i forget <laughs> any of this happened Oh, I was genuinely shook and shocked by it. So, yay, I guess. Yeah, so this episode is... I feel like it's out of order, but it's not. Like, I feel like it was written for a different part of the season, if not the series. And it was just, like, held on to and just kind of written into this part. Because it is so... It's very jarring to go from all the Gideon wish realm all that stuff to like charming's revenge quest party time with hook <laughs> i loved the imbalance of the episode being like when charming is awake we are committing crimes we're trying to murder people hook is the rational one he's a straight man who can't keep the guy like from doing anything and then when charming is for what i can only assume asleep for 10 minutes it's snow with a warm cup of cocoa talking sense into regina in a nice friendly tone mm -hmm. like it's just the levels of them being so imbalanced without each other which again i don't think was on purpose but it's just one of those this is snow and she's just you know we're, we're shooting differently so it's gonna be like a nice quiet single shot in a nice quietly lit room with just one other actress uh but then meanwhile we get charming and he just shows up for a full day of production <laughs> like there will be many set changes i'm gonna punch somebody i want to fall on the ground but like in a weird and natural way and slow-mo bring out every camera yes it, it's not over until i get to knife fight an old man respect respect <laughs> Well, this episode was uh, directed by Morgan Beggs, and it was written by Jerome Schwartz and Jane Espenson. So, you know, Jane Espenson, obviously a big part of the series, and you can feel some of the Espenisms in the material. Overall, like, what were your thoughts on this episode before we dive in? I, I didn't really, like, there are things I liked about it. I liked the location we end up in. I like the use of Pleasure Island. I like the represent how they 
how they portrayed Pleasure Island. Uh, I thought uh, Josh Dallas's acting was really good. It's just, I didn't like the episode. I, like I said, I felt the episode was really unbalanced. So mm-hmm. it was really hard to like get into it because, I mean, Charming is just straight up chaotic. And if you caught it, it is confirmed that he's simply not sleeping. Mm-hmm. Like Hook yells at him one point. He's like, brother, you need to get some sleep. So yeah, this is just him delusionally tired um, on a quest like that is br- it, being handed that coin by the evil queen has <laughs> has opened up a trauma in him that has turned him into a completely different monster. And I also would like to point out the 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 reason I would even if this episode was amazing, this was the episode we realized they fully forgot Neil existed. Yeah. They they show his crib at one point, but we don't see the child in it. Charming at one point declares very loudly, like when he's having his like yell breakdown moment at Hook, having the, the oh, this is the therapy I'm refusing to go to. Um, and he's just like, I, you know, what if I, what if I couldn't have saved Emma? What if I can never break this curse with snow? What if all of my friends die? Or he says something like that. And then that, that's the end. That's the end of his list. He does not list the baby in nope. any way, shape or form, which would have been so much more pointed of being like, what if I fail and Neil grows up without a father? Like, that's what I expected Hook to say. Be like, you're going to get yourself killed and you're going to do the same thing to your son that your dad did to you. It's like, it was right there. They could have reached out and touched it with their their little writer hands and then they didn't. And that infuriated me enough that I would this episode could do no better than about a C. Maybe C minus if I'm mad well, about it enough. Surprisingly, like it got pretty good reviews. It was getting like B pluses and A minuses across, you know, the the few outlets that were still covering it by this point because the the audience had shrunk considerably. But people liked this episode and and I can see why for character work and actor performance. But we're going to go ahead and start with David. The, David is celebrating with his loved ones. Emma's in her beautiful shirt. She looks gorgeous. She looks adorable. And they're all having bubbly. And they are celebrating the fact that Gideon has been defeated, which we all know is definitely what happened. He, he got mad and left. Hooray! Hooray! <laughs> we did it, y'all. And after that, he heads outside. Maybe he's had one too many. Maybe he just can't handle his champagne uh, because he starts hallucinating and he sees a vision of a man and instantly recognizes him as his father. And he goes, father. And the father goes, remember me, Simba. And then he fades away. (laughs) And then Charming collapses on the ground and we see the coins spill out. Hook shows up, gets him up. And Dave, Dave is just a dick. Oh, God. He's so mean to him for absolutely zero reason. Yeah. And, and he does like the weird plot thing that needs to happen for the sake of the plot where he's just like, you're a pirate. Yeah, means you suck. And then he leaves. <laughs> you're, such a, you're such a pirate. Everything about yeah. you is like a pirate. Meanwhile, David is helping him off the ground. Um, and also, I, I think... And this is just a, this is, I'm fully aware that Colin O'Donohue does not actually have a hook for hand. He's just holding a prosthetic thing in his hand and then he has an extra long sleeve. 
it drove me nuts because they had him doing so much physical work and he just would hold his hook to the side and was doing everything <laughs> with one hand and just is just me and obviously he wouldn't have actually had a hook if he weren't trying to be a functional member of society uh, not a pointy one at least uh, but I feel like he would have been able to incorporate that more into his mannerisms mm-hmm. of being able to still help and offer an arm and things like that while keeping the hook out of the way. I just, th- this isn't on anybody. It just, it, I noticed it so much this episode Yeah, because David ends up on the ground a lot this episode and needs to be like manhandled a lot and Hook's just like keeping his hook out of the way. You know what? Honestly, I've circled back around. He was trying to probably protect Charming from himself because yeah. he was moving in wild, erratic ways. Yes. Remember when uh, when Hook put his hand on at, so he could date Emma, and yeah. it was it was his evil hand because it was from yeah. when he was pirate. I remember evil hand. Oh, it was the evil hand that stabbed his father. <laughs> <laughs> Hook, that's all you have to do. He's like, just go to David, explain the situation, say, it wasn't me, it was the hand. Twasn't me, twas my hand. And he's just pointing at a thing in bubbly water. It's all very, like, Doctor Who finale situation. <laughs> yes, and the, go- the head goes, yes, it was me. He's got a mustache. Exterminate, exterminate. It's like walking. It's doing that thing where it looks like it's walking. You're probably wondering how I ended up here. And it's like, what's going on? <laughs> So David is obsessed now with finding out what happened to his father because the evil queen had given him a coin to, uh, as a hint of your daddy did not die drunken and abandon you. He was a good guy and he was murdered. And so now you have to find out the truth. And this is just, this is just Charming's whole reason for existence this entire episode it does not matter what anybody else needs. It doesn't matter what anybody else wants. It doesn't matter that he has a literal infant he needs to take care of. It is all about immediately finding out what happened. Which, like, I don't like that. Because there's a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> Correct. Um, I do like the juxtaposition. Um, and by like, I mean think it's funny. But, like, we find, like, and this is getting ahead of myself, but, like, we find Hook talking to Archie at some point. And when Charming later goes on another rant about, I must find out who killed my father, I just had that, like, men will do anything except go to therapy. Because, like, what is solving this going to do for you except crush you inevitably? Because there's no good ending to this story. And, again, this is, this is what Snow told him. A while ago, when he swore he'd stop looking, she said the exact same thing. But she was like, listen, nothing, none of this is going to bring you peace. Your dad is still dead. Like, that's the trauma. Mm-hmm. The manner in which he went may make you feel a little bit better or worse. But, like, it's not going to heal you. It's not. And you also don't need to devote 24 full real-time hours to it. I he's he's gonna be dead yeah. the whole time. We do not need to be. But do you remember when when Cruella Deville removing the payphone in hell? God, what a what a weird thing I just said. Uh, <laughs> remember when that was the plot point? Because now that they couldn't talk to Neil, mm-hmm. like they were super upset about it, and now we've gone several episodes without talking about him, or mentioning yep. him, or seeing him. So anyway, we're yeah. over. 
yes, Hook does go see Archie once. And then for the rest of the episode, he has the attitude of a man who went to one session of therapy and now has everything figured out and has mastered therapy speak. Yeah, he knows a lot of therapy words. And the next time uh, Emma gets mad about him not taking out the trash, he's going to say a lot of things very quickly. <laughs> about boundaries and space. About- and mm-hmm. boundaries and space and how he does it's not weaponized incompetence if he simply doesn't want to do it <laughs> <laughs> oh boy oh oh hook oh hook we we love you but uh you you're, you're you've also made choices <laughs> we've all made a lot of choices and i and I've got questions about that at the end, but we'll we'll get there. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. So yes, so yes. charming is on a a a, a sleep deprived mission. Yes, he's on a sleep deprived mission, and Hook is determined to help him because he is planning to propose to Emma. But before he does that, he wants to get uh, her father's blessing, and it's. I don't want to go into a whole thing about the whole father's blessing thing. I do appreciate how David won kind of laughs it off and is like well yeah you're fine like you're you're and he kind of tells him like oh you're old-fashioned like that like he and he's like it's up to emma but you have my support i like that it's just the weird asking the blessing thing although my husband did that too and i kind of i I wanted him to even though it's not needed it's a very weird thing it's so uh, here's where i stand on this as a as as a as an attempting feminist, I also, I, I like the wording of them using blessing mm-hmm. and not permission. Yeah. Because I think there is value, especially in a family situation, to have blessings from the family. Especially if you're from a bigger family, you know that like you marrying into them is a big deal. Like you are, you are now entering the space and talking about that ahead of time and just being like, Hey, I plan on doing this, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm really committed. Like I get it. And like, I also like, it was something that I definitely wanted beforehand. And I, I communicated to that my, to my husband, but also if you've met my dad for 15 seconds, you'd know that that was the kind of guy <laughs> he was. <laughs> And it was one of those, I was like, this is really important to my dad. I would like, I would like this to be part of our things. Um, they just cut to our wedding rehearsal and I'm expressly telling the man getting us married that like, I was like, I will not have obey in the vows. And my dad just making a face at me and he was just like, why won't you, why won't you obey? And I'm like, what? <laughs> He's like, I, ob- I obey your mother. She obeys me. We're married. That's how marriage works. I'm like, listen, I met you in the middle. <laughs> I'm not putting obey in the thing. So I, I think there's a fluctuality to that. And like I said, I like that it was blessing and not permission. It it makes it a little nicer. And you're right. Charming did make it be like, I mean, it's her choice. Yeah. Like, you don't just get to marry her now. You still got to ask. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I did. I did like that. And then, and then, and then tragedy fell. The plot twist of tragedy. I... To be fair, I mean, I didn't, I didn't like any of this, and I think that it could have been done better. But I love the idea that Hook is just like following Charming, like he's a drunk toddler, <laughs> he's just picking up things that he's dropping and just like kind of gently getting him away from corners. <laughs> like, where are you going? Oh, nobody. Oh, no, 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 no. The whole episode. The whole episode. 
Before we get into the story of uh, David's father, Robert, uh, we're going to take a little side trip over to uh, Wishwell and Robin and Regina. Do, having, having a time, doing a thing. She's, uh, he's kind of her uh, night before Christmas, K-N-I-H-D-H-T. She's Vanessa Hudgens. He's a fish out of water. She's getting him some modern clothes and showing him what it's like to live in a modern world. Um, but uh, it does it, it only goes so far when Robin realizes, oh, there's a guy I hate in town. I'm going to go murder him. Byzies. Because... Regina got temporarily distracted when Zelina showed up to the door and was like, oh, is the father of my child here? Tell him he sucks. Yeah, tell him he sucks and he's not allowed to see her because I hate him. I, by the way, I love this whole thing uh, mostly because it painted Regina as like, now listen, I'm going to say ahead of time, I know that this is not the dynamic in play. In any way, shape, or form. And Zelina is wrong for the way, for everything. I'm not putting that. But the dynamic just on surface level of a woman saying, he cannot come near my child. I don't want to see him. And Regina be like, no, but like he can change. Like she's like the new girlfriend of a deadbeat dad. (laughs) (laughs) Who is just like, it's different because he loves me. And you're being super weird about your child it's his child too like i know that that's not the dynamic but it had such a feel for that because regina is defending this absolute stranger with her life for no reason i also have to point out roland again done a huge disservice because for half the scene it's just you have he has a child Oh, no, he has two children. You have two kids. One of them isn't here anymore. Yeah, and I think that, 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 that I feel like that same thing goes between Re- Regina and Zelina where they say that, and then you can just, like, see that neither one of them want to recognize it. Again, that really, like, really toxic, like, inner... It doesn't matter. This whole thing was so wild, mostly because I thought it was super funny when Regina got up to answer the t- door and was just like, don't leave. And I went, why would she say that? And then he leaves. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> That's why she said it. So oh, we have context re- for him. Not He's not supposed to do that, but he did it anyway. Damn it. I left understand. a window open and he escaped. I knew it. <laughs> it's on me. Bar. I should have had bars on the windows installed when I had the chance. I just, Magic bars. I, I love Regina's like slow realization that an absolute stranger who resembles her her dead boyfriend is not the man she thought he was. That like, yeah. Okay. It takes a whole episode, but she figures it out. I I would like to say the first conversation, the first no wait is it the first or the second conversation she has with Snow. Either way, both her conversations with Snow make me laugh because they are much like the sentence when Cruella DeVille ripped the payphone out of hell. Snow just keeps saying really strange, out-of-context phrases. Like, oh, yeah, I kissed David's twin brother once, and it was like kissing a picture. And it's like, what? <laughs> and she just says it so casually while she sips her tea. Yeah, and it's it's only because the rest of the episode is about David and his brother. Like, otherwise, exactly. this would not have been in the conversation. No. But Regina, 
you know, takes Robin to her vault after he tries to murder the sheriff of Nottingham, who's like, dude, I'm not that guy anymore. I've changed. Robin's like, damn you. You can never change. I murder your face. I will murder you in broad daylight. I do not care. (laughs) I'll I'll first, like, destroy the coffee cup. Not the coffee. The empty coffee cup. This was a seasonal drink. They ran out of syrup. And then she takes him to the vault so that she can have a heart to heart, a one on one. And then we conveniently see this very powerful, dangerous magic that might be a magic heart or something. Not quite sure what it is. And it's just to, just so we can see it later because Robin steals it. Uh, and they kiss. And she's just like, well, it was like kissing my brother. I, I can't believe kissing an, a stranger who vaguely remember, resembles my dead boyfriend that I've been mourning for several episodes isn't the same. Hmm. Weird. Weird how that happens. And now that that's happened, Regina and Snow are both starting to question how he managed to survive coming through the portal. You know, Regina thinks there has to be a reason. Snow says, no, there doesn't have to be a reason. He just did. But obviously there's a reason. I love that conversation, though, mostly because it doesn't make any sense. I feel like Snow would have been the one being like, no, there's a reason. Like, mm-hmm. because if anyone really read this, the book The Secret and super believed in it, it was Snow. Yep. Uh, because we need to be like, no, there's no reason. Like, things just happen. What are you talking no. about? No. That is, that's not Snow. Snow's all about hope and destiny and fate and things are She's meant like, to no, work out. no, he came out. through for a reason. I'm I'm surprised, actually, that Snow's not more, like, be, like, believing in true love. No, like, you got, really got to work through it because she's done that for literally everyone else. Yeah, and also, uh, a brother is not the same as a parallel person. Like a parallel version of yourself. This is his twin brother. Oh, yeah. That's just like the time that I went into a a weird parallel universe that was concocted by a genie who doesn't know any of us and loosely puts something together. And then I brought through a portal in a tree. Yeah, it's the same. It is. It's the same. Um, Anyway... (laughs) Yeah, so uh, David and Hook manage to steal some of Emma's magic potions, and they decide to do a magic spell. And this was probably my favorite scene in the whole episode, and it was definitely a Jane Espenson scene. Like, she wrote this one, hands down boots. I I love this. I love this whole scene. This is just, just I just kept laughing, just thinking to myself, just like, bros try witchcraft. And just like... <laughs> I'm imagining them pulling out, like, just, you know, getting out their Wiccan book and pulling their, okay, well, I got to do those things. And you're right. Like, just, that's such an amazing scene. Well, what do we do? Do we turn it? Do we turn it counterclockwise or do we turn counterclockwise? Well, we should do both. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, I love the logic because, to be fair, it works because that's why magic uh recipes and things like that and and spells they're vague like that it's what you put into them and you Mm -hmm. know what they put in they put it in their whole heart they did them i believe them. and their whole smell because apparently it was a very smelly spell boy boy magic it's so stinky stinky (laughs) and the coin ends up uh going on the map and the spell works and they find out the father went to Pleasure Island, a dark, dark place. Even though we never see it actually being dark. 
at any no. point. Although We're just supposed uh, to like know. Yeah, they actually apparently they did film a whole scene where they had real donkeys on a green screen with hats on to like represent some of the children having been turned into donkeys. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, they maybe the scene didn't work or it was cut for time or maybe it was just a little too bleak. Uh, they ended up cutting it and it wasn't it wasn't aired. I okay, and so this is just this is me just having qualms with the the name being Pleasure Island. But if I found out that my drunkard abandoning father <laughs> left and ended up at Pleasure Island, the search would stop. I'd be like, yeah. okay, yeah, got it, got it. I understand okay. what happened. I understand what's going on. Fantastic. And you'd be like, no, 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 no. It's full of children. I'd be like, then I absolutely am not following this thread any farther. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Well, Abby, let's go ahead and take ourselves way back into the past with uh, David's mommy, Ruth, and his alcoholic daddy, Robert, who we are meeting and getting to know for the first time and only time. Yes. Um, in the cabin, uh, this is this is off topic before we get into the story, but uh, do you also hate babies crying in television shows now? Uh yeah. I can't deal with it anymore. Yeah. Like, if it goes on for more than about five seconds, I'm fully done. Um, yeah, I'm like, I must protect the baby. I must protect the baby, but also, like, it just it just gets me anxious because I'm just yeah. like, I need to be saving the baby. There's a whole thing in Game of Thrones where a baby cries for, I think, five uninterrupted minutes for a plot point. And I'm like, I feel like we could have done without this. Anyway. Oh, yeah, that's the end of the episode where the baby gets sacrificed to yeah. the White Walkers, and then we literally never find out what happens. Yeah, the White Walker, like the the, the ice, the, the king guy, and he was just like, he walks it super slowly through the woods, and the only noise is Game of Thrones music swelling in the background and a screaming child. It's like, I don't I don't think we needed any of this, but all right. Aww, so old baby. Oh, D- Cole Baby is now the ice king uh, that will show up in like some sort of like game of thrones post-mortem season that comes out when we're in our 60s so (laughs) don't worry so okay so we get we're in a little cabin and there's two Mm -hmm. little babies and they're crying and uh the father he's he's come home and he's like i couldn't get us the medicine these children will surely die and a woman who looks just enough like snow that made me go hmm (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but then uh rumpelstiltskin and his busted ass wig burst into this burst into the cabin and it's the quickest deal i've ever seen that involves getting rid of a child yeah they know ne- they don't actually like it looks like they just get money for medicine i'm sorry a child is worth a lot more than just that like yeah. maybe a contract that you know you know protects the child through yeah. through adulthood you and know and they weren't so here's here's and here's where cuz this is a very dark conversation we're about to have but it's fine they were not dying right then nope like they were sick and then they they needed what and we needed medicine and we had time to go get medicine and all that other stuff it needed to be and this is the part where like you're a parent and you're making these go- awful cho- this, this you know this choice that we all have to make of like which twin do we want to give up oh my gosh to the strange gold man in the corner but like 
they're just like, yeah, absolutely. Take my son. We will never speak of him again. And you can give us some NyQuil and we're going to fix this. Like, guys, get it together. Mm-hmm. So that's that's literally the whole thing. And, and then the whole deal is this child gets to go live with the king and this child gets some cough drops. Fantastic. Just fast forward six years later to dad having a drinking problem. And the small town bartender being like, hey, man, you should be spending that money on, like, you know, your family. Because only a real jackass would forget their son exists. (laughs) Fast forward to his son doing the exact same thing. Um, But he's just like, nah, man, you can't judge me. It's America. It's free world. Give me another beer. Thank you. And then the king arrives and just, like, loudly announces. So, for any of you that are following along with um, our book our book club and Red's, Red's uh, untold story, there's a tax man that is, like, taking taxes from everybody. This would be the equivalent of, like, just a king coming to collect taxes. Mm-hmm. There's no reason the king should be in a bar, a kingdom over, announcing to the drunks on a Tuesday evening, like please find my son and anyone that withhold this information will be murdered on sight. Uh, so we're just like, Oh, that's the King. There he is. And so drunk man says to himself, I can put our family back together. I will find him. I will go get him. So he, he sets off on a quest, but not before the most heartbreaking conversation. <laughs> Little David, six years old, where are you going, Dad? <gasps> gonna go on another supply run, son. And when you come back, you're gonna be better. You're not gonna drink any more of your special juice. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're not gonna fall down all the time and be sleeping all the time. No, buddy. Because that's how alcoholism works. I'm gonna just fully stop drinking and be better. Don't worry. Once I do this one big thing, it'll be done. I promise. I wanna put a pause button on this moment okay. and this conversation because I had a really big problem with this and I don't know if I'm being irrational. I really don't like that. Like I'm trying to think of like David, six year old boy. His father has become, has become an alcoholic, has been abandoning him, has not been loving him, spending time with him. And then one day he comes home and it goes, no, it's okay. We're going to be better. I'm going to go get the other kid. I'm going to go do like do something else. And that's going to make everything better. Like if I were David, I'd feel really abandoned. Be like, oh, I'm not good enough for you. No, you're not being irrational uh, because this is just a full miss of how this thing goes. Like the, there's you could do. Honestly, I think if you really tried, you could write an entire thesis on how this episode misses the mark, (laughs) how the dad is perceived. Like, we can say everything about, like, the absolute surface level of what's going on. But again, it's a a man who is an alcoholic who is wasting his money while a farm is being, like, about to be sold. Like, they're about to be bankrupt and lose their home. To Lil Bo Peep. To Lil Bo Peep. Uh, Very important. Uh... And he's just drinking it away, and now he has a mission 
that is not taking care of his family. Like mm-hmm. it is a separate thing. And he's very jazzed about that. But that's, and like, that's, you and I are completely aligned because like, that's what it is. Like, this is a man who, who has a problem. And the thing that is spurring him to do better is a one time flash in a pan, very big high. Mm-hmm. It is an adrenaline boost of, I have a mission. I must do these things. And that will keep you away from the drink. Amazing. That's great. Once that kid comes home, in just in a universe in which he saves James and brings him home and they get to be a happy family, it's back to the grind. Mm-hmm. That man is back on the sauce. No questions asked. Maybe and, makes it a couple of months. And also, like, who's to say James would want to come home? Who's to say the king wouldn't immediately find him and burn down his house? Like, there's all these different things that he's that dad isn't thinking about and the show isn't acknowledging that are there are things he should think about like and it's very much yeah. it's no, very much portrayed as this is his, the dad's redemption the dad is like i actually read an interview with josh dallas about this episode and he was saying like his dad did the right thing in the end he was trying to do good right by his family i'm like no he's he's not there are lots of ways he can do right by his family this should be like way lower on the list uh, and and again it just all comes back to like if we are framing him as not just like a deadbeat but we're framing him as a not framing but if if it's this is the dad and the dad is an alcoholic you know this just goes with the episode of we'll do anything but go to therapy like this man needs to be in meetings needs to be taking it one day at a time needs to be doing all that stuff because losing a farm having a child and having the other one have been taken away and you have to keep it a secret from everybody that's big it's a bunch of big Mm -hmm. stuff that you need to square with and drying out is an entire process yeah so like just being real chaotic and like again i haven't dealt with it like in a first degree but i've definitely watched it from other sides and that's just what it is it's a no don't worry i'm getting i'm getting clean or i'm getting sober i'm getting whatever and i'm gonna turn it around it's like a it's almost like 80 an adhd hyperfixation. like they mm-hmm. just get really pumped about it but then once the energy and the spurt the nice the coolness of that new thing goes away you go back to it because you didn't actually heal anything yeah um this is a real big conversation for kind of a like a middle grade episode, <laughs> but like it's a problem. You need to treat it, and finding your long lost son and then like being on the run from the king for the rest of your life not solving alcoholism. Big big facts. No, and and it's it's not like they can really get super deep into no, alcoholism. Not. It is a disease, you know. It is an illness. Of not. Yeah. Um, you know, and there are bigger conversations to be had that obviously the show isn't going to do and we wouldn't expect it to do. It would be weird if they did. (laughs) Yeah. But that said, you can't solve your illness. You can't solve your addiction, uh, with, yeah, with, with one, one night of like, it also kind of has a little bit of a disrespectful tone toward people who suffer from addiction. It's like, correct. You can, you can fix yourself. And it's yeah. not that hard. You, you just have to find something good. Yeah. Solve a problem you made six years ago. Because again, you're right. Just to bring it back to like the baseline of like an episode of television that goes on for 40 minutes. Charming is so excited about what his dad does. But like that doesn't make up for six years. Six years. 
for six years of Charming's life, his dad was awful, was mm-hmm. not around, was wasting their money, and drunk. I can't imagine he was a lot of fun to be around either. It's not like nope. they were out playing catch. He's not getting some dad. But, like, Charming is chasing a version of his dad. And when he was like, oh, he was doing the right thing, I think he believes in his brain. And this is, again, this comes with a lot of baggage and I believe would be true. He believes that he would have had this whole childhood with his brother where he wouldn't have been evil. And then, like, his dad being there and being, like, with him and playing catch and doing all that stuff. But, like, that's what deadbeat dads do they're not there for the formative years when you're not really a person and they come back when it's cool and fun to hang out with you like Mm -hmm. that's like that's no good so i get it like on a service level but like if you think about it for a couple more seconds you're like charming i think you're putting this dude on a pedestal but also you haven't slept for at this point 72 hours so like it's probably (laughs) fine so okay so we sell so we find do we know how he got to pleasure island yes uh he goes okay. to see rumple that's right he goes to rumple and he's like gonna and make he makes a second right, deal right. and rumple's like all right i'll take one hair from your shaved head listen uh when you have to do a drug test and they have to take hair and you're you're bald they take it from other places okay <laughs> it's fine don't just not i'll think about it but this was supposed to be like rumple the softy who's just like like, I'm going to take a hair from your head. And he, like, he's just like, yes, because magic can be found in the smallest things. And then he, like, jokes about it and, like, pitches the hair because it doesn't matter. By, to himself, by himself. Yeah, it's just like, bye, girl. <laughs> to to um, an audience of none. He Because we're supposed to know that Rumple helps this man out because he has a soft spot for finding lost sons. God help him if, if uh, Robert was looking for a daughter. <laughs> Be like, well, it's tough on you. But what if what if it's my son? <gasps> a son! A son must be reunited with his father immediately. <laughs> um, so he's like, yeah, you can go. So he goes. Um, and you have to get out of here immediately because my wig looks even worse than it did the first time. Thank you. Get out of here. We get to Pleasure Island. We meet Pinocchio. Um, but not after a couple of, like, random shots of Pleasure Island <laughs> and the costume barn. <laughs> yes, it was... I, I liked the CGI. I thought it was mm-hmm. I thought it was inventive. I thought they did a decent job. Uh, I, I I wanted to see more of like the destructive tendencies. Uh, I did I did a, I did find it really funny when uh, you see the one guy with the creepy creepy makeup pouring what's clearly a beer because in the original animated movie, the kids are drinking beer. Right. And and then in the new movie they made, they switch it to root beer. And I was like, that's stupid. Like, just, you know, they're supposed to be rebelling. Let them drink beer. Beth, if the children don't, if the children see beer drinking, they too will drink the beer. So we must not show them that. They're being so naughty by drinking soda after nighttime. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> What a hellish landscape this Pleasure Island is. What next? Candy before dinner? My God. And yes, he comes across Pinocchio, a very sassy Pinocchio. I love this. I did too. This is like somewhere between the Pinocchio we had before and canonical Spider-Man. Just constantly being super sassy 
and dunking on everybody for no reason. Like, he's just sitting mm-hmm. there by himself. And he's just like, hey, man, what's up? You smell like beer. <laughs> like, what's the deal? Oh, you, that guy, I can't find him. In his nose. I like how fast Robert deduces what the nose thing is. Yeah. I love that. Uh, but he's just like, uh, have you seen this child? Nope. Bloop. Are you lying to me? Absolutely not. Bloop. Does your nose get bigger when you're lying to me? No. Bloop. And it's just, oh, this is such a, like, I love this because it was so pure. Like, this is the kind of fairy tale insert that I need. I don't yeah. need a big story. I just need him to be sitting there. Um, and so, like, he he's like, yeah, yeah, I know. The kid's, like, over there. My favorite part of this is that they show Pinocchio and then they smash cut to August. Yep, that's the coin. I loved that shot so much. It was because it's just like, look, it's a it's a little boy who's made of wood. Boom. 42 year old man. (laughs) (laughs) And and yeah, so Robert does find James in his greatest party city Halloween costume prince ensemble that you've ever seen it looked on like full-on like imitation velvet like there was like a a a a, a vinyl panel in the back or something it was it looked so cheap oh yeah and it's all made of elastic and stuff Mm -hmm. and it's got little different things uh it's probably still got the 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 party city tag uh stuck to or spirit halloween or something so he's just like please i don't want to go home he's like don't worry i'll take you home so that doesn't happen Nope. Um, gets ca- gets ends up in front of the king, and then again, this is a man who hasn't really had to put a lot of thoughts together in the last six years. So in front of the king, is just like that boy doesn't want to go with you. I will take him. It's fine. And the king's like, okay, that's not gonna happen, and I'm gonna just kill you. Yeah. So, okay, bye. Like that's the whole interaction. <laughs> What did he think was going to happen here? And then he tell he's he tells the guards to murder murder Robert and make it look like an accident. And this is this is the part that I love because it is it is where the two worlds collide in the most stupid way. Because we then see Robert getting tied up to a wagon so that they can push the wagon into the ravine. And also stab him before he gets in the ravine. And meanwhile, they came from an island with a bunch of water. Like, there is no, like, there is no better accidental death than just throwing someone off a boat. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we could have definitely just tied some, you know, some cannonballs to him. Shoved him in mm-hmm. his shirt and just sunk him to the bottom. Um, Yeah, this whole... <laughs> This whole thing was so bad. I feel like they were really tied up by the a drunk man in a carriage accident thing. Mm-hmm. Because it was just, okay, well, how do we get him into a car accident? Because, again, who is going to find a man in a carriage accident and a full cut through them? I, I understand that, like, CSI, uh, uh, Enchanted Forest, not a thing. But, like, a, a sword slice is kind of hard to mistake for carriage problems i feel like this scene would have been more impactful if instead of the confrontation happening on pleasure island because also how the hell did the king get to pleasure island 
if it had happened, for example, like near his house, like Robert is taking the kid home. The kid sees his childhood home and he's like, I remember this from when I was a baby. I, I remember I'm so happy. And the king is there and is like, what are you doing, dude? Like, I, I know, wanted, and, um, and then they could, great. go ahead, yeah. go ahead, go ahead. Well, and then it would just, it would better explain why the death is death by carriage being pushed into a ravine, also stabby stabby. Okay, listen, and I only say this because you've already invoked the Netflix cinematic universe and Vanessa Hudgens. Mm-hmm. The king is traveling with his son and they stop in a tavern for like turkey legs or something. And drunk dad has taken little David with him to the bar because there's he's he, he's babysitting today uh, because that's what he calls it. Robert calls it babysitting. He's not watching his son. He's babysitting. Uh, but he's just like, okay. And then he takes him to the bar on a Tuesday. And then David and James meet and realize they look exactly like each other and do a princess switch. <gasps> and James realizes the life he could have been living, the simple, you know, life in this provincial town. And he'd have been like, I want this instead. It runs away. And that's why we murdered the dad. Because the dad knows that there was a princess switch, a parent trap, if you will. And so, yeah, no, just because you talked about Vanessa Hudgens, now I'm just like, wouldn't that have been funny? Yeah, there's so many, so many more things they could have done. But instead, what we get is uh, David has, quote unquote, figured out that the king ordered uh, the dad's death. So he heads to the jail, to the psychiatric ward where the dad king is being held. (laughs) And he immediately opens the door. No one's there guarding. No one's just nurse ratchet is nowhere to be seen. Also, Hook, just let's not forget that Hook is now handcuffed to a bike rack. Oh, he is. Yeah, because he was like, I'm a good guy now. And I'm going to stop you no matter what. And then Charming goes, okay, fine. You're, you are trapped now. Bye-bye. And he throws open the door, grabs the old man by the collar, hurls him out of the hallway, and throws a knife at his feet and is like, on guard, sir. We're going to have a knife fight in the hallway. I... Love that it was two little knives. <laughs> two little tiny little hunting knives. We could have found a sword, dude. We could have found two swords. We could have done something. But he's like, you killed my, my father. Prepare to die. And the king. Listen, king's, king's awful and he's a monster. But the best line of the episode. No, I didn't. I ordered to have him killed. It's different. <laughs> There's a distinction. <laughs> But you got to admire the king. You got to admire King George because the knife gets put to his feet. He picks it up. He starts fighting. Okay. Also, like an absolute psychopath, he was just like sitting on the bed, staring at the window, just like, oh, a visitor. Like he just in that. I love the concept of these people. Like Belle was the same way. They're just in this room. There is no stimuli of any sort except for maybe three meals a day. There's nothing on the walls. There's no entertainment. There's just a bed. And they're always just like there prepared for visitors. Like, yeah, oh, I, a caller. I can't even imagine what that would be like. He would be oh, like. Oh, I'd have gone nuts 12 hours yeah. in. Nurse nope, no, thank you. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so Charming is about to kill uh, Daddy George. When Hook shows up, he was able to free himself and he stops Charming, pushes the daddy back into the room and charming breaks down and it's like what if i can't pro- what if i can't protect the people who aren't an infant what if i can't protect these people also is there one missing i don't know whatever it's all good 
and Hook gives this good this speech. It was very touching. Josh Dallas was giving a good performance. He was emoting. He was acting. And they had a very tender moment between the two of them. I was hoping they would hug. They never hugged. And I'm no, like Because they're they're men. Mm. Like I'm sorry, men can hug. Men I know, no, hug. I agree. Men can hug, but let they, them <laughs> hug. Let them Can I go out of the streets and yell that to the rafters? Let Free them hugs. hug. I've got um, a cause yeah. a decade old. But Hook is just like, listen, your vengeance. You know that thing we've been learning for six seasons now? Your vengeance is not going to make you happy. Also, this is vengeance you've only had for a few hours. Yeah. We need to let this cook for a second. Mm-hmm. Like, he's like, no, but he just admitted it. Of course he did. He would have admitted to it if he didn't do it. Like, he's just a jackass. So... <laughs> and uh David allows Hook to take him away and go out onto a dock and uh Charming throws the coin out into sea his father is next to him and the ghost disappears Ooh. and the episode is called Murder Most Foul because it is a nod to the ghost of Hamlet's father in Hamlet which thematically I get just for the symbolism but episode-wise, it makes no sense. It has I mean, I would have believed you if you would have told me it was a Bruce Springsteen song. So, like... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> gonna have a murder most foul on the side of the highway. I'm assuming that's that's my that's my impersonator. That's your, that's your Bruce Springsteen? That's your... Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did it. That was me. Um, but then we get, a, we get a cute scene where <laughs> Hook's just like, yeah, hey, man, can I... Can I get your blessing to to marry Emma? And then just Charming just stares at him for way so long. They they really like, oh. they really made us sweat. Yeah, they really they really hammed this up. And he was like, nah, man, it's fine. I mean you gotta ask Emma, but yeah, it's absolutely fine. He's like, okay, cool. Um, and then August shows up and he's like, Hey, I got some pages for you, man. Here you go. Take a gander at these. And Hook looks at the page, and he has an awful realization. So that was going to be my question. Did he realize this by looking at the pages, or has he known this whole time, which is why he stopped him from killing the king? No, I think it's that he looked at the page and recognized okay. the face, because okay. this was just another guy. And I, I don't think he he knew the circumstances of this guy's death. I think he just saw a guy and just killed just killed the guy. Okay, that's fair. Uh, but yeah. Yeah, so it turns out that when the henchmen of the king were tying him up and getting ready to throw him into the ravine with a bunch of treasure, I guess, which was weird. Um, Tax uh, Hook, sho- <laughs> Hook shows up with not Smee, but still in a hat Smee. Like, I don't know who this guy was and I didn't care for him. <laughs> also, <laughs> like, fully inland. Why is he this far on land? I don't know. Like, what's he? And he's walking? Like, uh, uh, and we get, he, uh, he stabs the guys and there's blood squibs. It's very bloody, very squibby. Uh, and he stabs them and he's like, let's get this treasure boys. And Robert says, please spare me. I must get home to my family. I'm sober now for one day. So I'm all better now. Must go. Well, you know, never hear from me again. And he goes, nah, and stabs him right in the face. Robert dies and 
he's thrown into the ravine. Uh, and Hook has now realized, oh shit, I killed my future father-in-law. As he's realizing this, he's having this really <laughs> no, grandfather-in-law. Big grandfather-in-law, yeah. As he's realizing this, he's like, oh, oh no. Emma comes out of the house. This small, small thing. I'm going to guess it's a haircut situation. Emma comes out of the house in full fall girl apparel, a stocking mm-hmm. cap and everything. And she's making popcorn with milk duds. You know, like you do where mm-hmm. you're wearing a beanie and a and a full coat while you make your popcorn. And then you look out and see your boyfriend having an existential crisis in the driveway. <laughs> Um, oh, we did skip over the scene where David breaks into the shed and Hook has to stall Emma. And she's just like, oh my God, you're so cute and sexy. I love you. What are you doing here? And Hook's like, I could have lost you. And he gets it. He brings it down. <laughs> so it's like, you almost died. I'm so sad and pensive. She's like, oh my God. I love you. Get I love you so much. You went to therapy oh my god i love you and i'm gonna pinch your butt but i have to go because henry who none of us have seen this whole episode is definitely waiting in the car um just point of order if we were going to go on a canoe or kayak trip i forget which one they were doing and my son forgot the life jackets we would have pulled up to the house and he would have had to go in himself to get the life jackets as it was still his job yep (laughs) that uh, just that's Lear- on my level but yeah, yeah, yeah learn yeah, your lesson it. child it's like oh you forgot to go get them well we will stop so you can go get them like we still need to go through our steps uh but yeah i love that because emma was so horned up and then hooks like you could have died <laughs> <laughs> i must distract uh, you while your father robs you <laughs> i'm telling you hook is that kind of guy who thinks that he only needs one session of therapy like his, he's the kind of guy whose partner tells him to go, you need to, you should go to therapy, you know, work things out. He goes to one session. Well, I'm cured. Listen, I'm fine. Listen, listen, Hook is, Hook is the embodiment of if you want to marry an emo boy, you got to know that this doesn't stop. <laughs> Henny, oh my God, what are you thinking about? What if we all die tomorrow? Oh, okay. What else are you thinking about? <laughs> what literally anything else are you thinking about? Um, Fallout Boy. Uh, yeah. And then, yeah, we, we, we learned that, that Hook is now going to have to eat, eat popcorn with melty milk duds in it while feeling the most guilty he's ever felt, felt in his entire life. And what's going to happen next? Only one way to find out. And that is to join us for next week's Once Upon a Time. But in the meantime, this has been Season 6, Episode 12. Murder most foul! And the ghost of David's father has been has been redeemed. He can rest in peace and fade away into the ether. The murder has been solved, or has it? It has not. I, you said... You said, yes, we, f- he killed his father and he must wrestle with that. And like, what will happen next? I do like if you lead that out a lot farther, it's even funnier. Well, Hook murdered Emma's grandfather and he was keeping it a secret. Where does that lead? That leads to Zelina being brainwashed in a soul cycle in Seattle. <laughs> what? Yep. <laughs> what? And we're on our way. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, I would also like to tell, say that since I watched the episode, uh, the bitch's back has been stuck in my head. Because once or twice in this episode, very seriously, the words stone cold sober was yelled. And that's, <laughs> I love scream singing stone cold sober. As a matter of fact, <laughs> the bitch is back. It's charming. <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone, we want to thank you for joining us for this latest episode of Once Upon a Timing. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get those podcasts. You can join our Facebook group, and that's at facebook.com slash group slash Timing. And you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Timing. We want to thank our patrons for your continued love and support. This week's Patreon shout out goes to Erica Farrow. Thank you so much, Erica. And again, if you want to become one of our special people, you can go to patreon.com slash Timing and join the family. We'll be back next week with season six, episode 13, Ill Boating Patterns. I legit don't remember that title and I have no idea what's to come. My favorite Bruce Springsteen song. (laughs) Thank you, everyone, for joining us. And Abby, we will see you next week. See you next week.